Let's talk about the studies around using MDMA used to treat trauma survivors. Let's also discuss the lockdown muscle loss that most of us will have started suffering from over the past year. What about ufology and the unidentified aerial phenomena information about to be released in America? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Health is the greatest possession. Lao Tzu. So today is the 57th episode. 57th episode. And yeah, what's happened this week? There's a lot going on this week. It's been quite a busy week. Um, looking forward, as usual, to the weekend coming because it's the spring bank holiday and well overdue, well needed. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have inducted Jay-Z, LL Cool J and Tina Turner. I think Tina Turner actually was inducted before, to be fair, for something else. Um, but yeah, she's... But the other two, Jay-Z and LL Cool J, it's their first time. So hats off to those guys. Um, definitely both legends in the game for different reasons. But yeah, hats off to them. And hats off to um, Cayenne Prince's family. Um, Cayenne Prince is the, the young boy who was stabbed um, to death um, at age of 15 trying to break up a fight. And they've now paid homage to him by having him on FIFA um, twenty twenty one. Um, he was a former QPR youth player for the game. I mean, not for the game. For, for he was a former player for QPR. Um, so this is like the anniversary of his death, and his family have kind of teamed up with with the game makers, and they've kind of reconstructed how he would look now. I think it's a really touching thing to do. You know, obviously it had to be guided by the family and. They're obviously happy with it, so that's that is a that's a beautiful thing to do, you know. He, his name lives on, and I know his his dad um, has has done a lot um, for young people since then, off of the back of that as well. So hats off to him and the family. Really good look, and um, and also uh, Naomi Campbell. Who knew um, she had a baby? Um, yeah, she's become a mother at fifty years old. Announced it on Instagram. Kind of came out of nowhere for me. I. I've been. I, I, she's got a podcast, and I was watching one of her podcasts um, with Dave Chappelle, as it goes. And um, yeah, she didn't look pregnant or anything like that. So I don't know how it's kind of come about, but she's happy. Um, I'm not sure if it's adopt if the child's adopted, if she's a surrogate, if there's, there was a surrogate parent, or um, or she was actually pregnant. And if she was pregnant, I'd love to know who the father is. Um, but I'm sure more will come out as, as time goes on. But congratulations to her. You know, she's she's pretty much had a charmed life, it seems, you know, from modelling, you know, um, being a top model. And, you know, you haven't heard any really negative news around her. She's kind of had a, a good time. So this is kind of icing on the cake, becoming a mother. So I'm really happy for her, for sure. And something that really delighted me and brought back loads of memories. Um, there's a sneaker, um, sneakers unboxed um, exhibition. Um, and it goes on till the 24th of October 2021 and it's at the Design Museum and basically they've got all the old school trainers um, from yesteryear and you know me as a young person I was definitely a sneakerhead you know definitely it was it was all about sneakers that was the first item that you'd want to buy if you came into any money or anything like that so um, so yeah I, I mean now seeing how much trainers go for and how much they're kind of coveted. I, I wish I'd kept um, all of my old trainers because as well, you, you know, you didn't wear the trainers until they were totally dead. So I've, I've let go of some really good trainers that probably could have had me set <laughs> set for life on some old trainers. You know, I suppose you have to be like Kanye West for that to happen. But still, I'm sure somebody would have bought them the way things are now. But yeah, so I definitely will be looking to get to that exhibition for sure bring back some memories um so sadly um we lost one of the great comedians and actors paul mooney um he passed away this week from a heart attack um age 79 
Um, you know, if I mean, most people do know him, but if you don't know him, this is somebody who wrote for a lot of, lot of comedians, um, collaborated with um, people like Richard Pryor, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle being probably my favourite comic. Um, yeah, he's definitely my top three comics ever. But yeah, he, he worked with him on his show. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's done a lot. Um, he wrote for uh, the Richard Pryor show back in the day and um, loads of influential sitcoms and comedies um, like Good Times, Living Colour, Pryor's Place, um, like I said, The Chappelle Show, and even um, Real Husbands of Hollywood. That's with um, Kevin Hart, I believe. Yeah. So he's done a lot. So, yeah, definitely going to be missed. Definitely going to be missed. Um, so my thoughts, my thoughts go out to his family for sure. Um, and someone making history um, back on this side of the, the pond, um, Khadija Mella, um, the first black British Muslim woman um, to win a horse race in the UK. Um, this young lady is, her parents are, I think one of her parents is Algerian, the other one's Kenyan, um, but she, she made history in, I think it was 20, 2019, um, it happened, um, when she won that race. So hats off to her. Um, but yeah, so she, there's going to be an academy, um, academy based on, on what she did, um, and they're going to be offering scholarships, etc. And yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely a big look for such a. I forgot how old she is, but she's she's quite young. She's she's quite young. Um, but yeah, so launching academy, um, there's going to be it's, the, the actually the scholarship is going to be called the Khadija Mellon um, Scholarship. Um, and it will also include like a residential week um, at Newmarket. So, so yeah. So hopefully that that will open the door and and let young young people that look like her um, know that you know what that's another avenue you can go down. You know, um, I remember in 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 Hackney, I didn't really, you know, as a youngster in the early days, you didn't really see, see horses or see any. You know, obviously you saw police horses and stuff, but you didn't see anywhere you know, where you could ride horses or learn to ride horses. It was only in the, the later years I really, I found out that there was a, a horse training course behind the um, ice ring. Yeah, behind the ice ring off Lee Bridge Road. And, yeah, there was horse training. You could go and ride there and all, all sorts. But, um, but as a young kid, never knew that was there. You know, it was only in later years. And, obviously, I took my kids there so they had the opportunity to to ride a horse, you know, tick that box. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sure there's going to be more people coming out of, coming out of the inner cities that will take to riding off of the back of that. So she's done Peckham proud and she's done her parents proud. So hats off to her. It made me kind of dig into the whole horse racing thing a little bit more because it's not really something that I follow. Um, although one of the hotels that I generally stay at once a year is um, Lingfield and that's kind of, you're looking over the racetrack. So, I've seen some races via that. But, um, yeah, it made me look into it, and I found out that there's a young man named Sean Levy. He was born in um, 1988, and he's the f he was the first um, African to win a British um, classic um, in Bill Billsden Brook. Um, so, yeah. So there was... I mean, I've never heard of him. I don't follow racing, but... I didn't even know there were other black people doing horse racing. You know, I actually thought that Khadija was the first one. But like I said, Sean Levy, he's, he's he, he done it a while back and he's, he's won horse races. So, yeah. Um, but that was a little known thing. I think, obviously, with social media and everything now, and this young lady being so young and doing it in a hijab, it's brought a lot more, um, a lot more light to it, unlike when, when um, Sean Levy um, did it years ago. So, yeah. Um, so we're out of the, we've hit our roadmap target, the 17th has passed, things are opening up and stuff, so the next big one is the 21st of June, so fingers crossed, that'll be, you know, that'll happen without no restrictions, you know, just back to normal, you know, let's, let's see and hope. But there is a lot going on, you know. It is. I mean, when they made that statement, it, there wasn't so much going on, obviously, with the Indian um, virus and stuff, the Indian uh, mutation. But hopefully, you know, we, we'll, we'll still be able to have that freedom, like like it was in 2019. So, but in um, Bolton, the Indian variant is kind of, 
you know, it's, it's kind of, there's a lot happening there. It's kind of doubled in the past week. And yeah, and even in Rochdale, it's got that bad that they're now asking everyone over 18 um, to get vaccinated, which is, I don't think it's really in line with what they said they wanted to do as far as um, age groups and stuff. But obviously it's got that serious that they're saying, yeah, if, you, if you're over 18, come and get vaccinated. So be interesting to see how that pans out and, and how much of an impact that makes as well. Um, but yes, so that's, that's where we are with that. Um, the WHO, the, the, the World Health Organization, um, has, has started speaking about, well, not started, but they continue to speak about it, but they have the, the chief, was it Tedros? Yeah, Tedros. He said the second year of this pandemic um, is set to be more deadlier than the first, you know, off of the back of, obviously, the Indian variant. So, so yeah, I hope he's wrong. You know, I hope it doesn't go like that. Um, in London, I know they've started surge testing um, in Hillingdon, Hackney, Redbridge, um, Kensington and Chelsea, Hounslow. I think even Brent is starting to do surge testing. So, so yeah, it's, um, you know, we're, we're having to do what we need to do. To We're not fully out of the, the woods yet. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we're doing the right thing. We're doing enough to allow things to be under control somewhat. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, in other parts, in other parts of the country, they are, it is, I mean, this is in line with what they were planning to do before. So it's 32 and 33 year olds who are now in the range to get vaccinated. So that's what's happening at the moment. But, um, public health England have just said that, um, the two doses of the Pfizer is 88% effective against the Indian variant and two doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca is 60% effective, um, but one dose of either is only 33% effective. So obviously there's now a big push for everybody to have um, both doses, whereas at the beginning, well, a couple of months, but it doesn't seem that long ago, they were saying that just let everybody have the one dose, um, which caused uproar at the time. But as things have developed, they're having to obviously revert back to that. So I can imagine by the time you hear this, you're going to hear more about, you know, getting people to have both, you know, um, as as was prescribed by the makers of the vaccine, interestingly enough. So, yeah. But, um, but we, I mean, England's target was originally 70, not 70, 80% to get everybody, to get 80% of the population vaccinated. And we're um, over 70% at this point. So, you know, in so, in some ways, you know, obviously it's unfortunate that we've got to deal with this Indian variant, but, you know, the, the, the powers that be have actually hit their, well, are on their way to hitting the target that they, they wanted to hit. So that's that's got to be a plus. That's got to be a plus. So, um, also, this week, um, thankfully, um, at this point, there's been no youth violence that's ended up in anyone losing their life this week, which is a beautiful thing. Um and yeah, that is, it's always nice to be able to say that for sure. So long may that last. Um, on, from a criminal perspective, though, on, in regards to other stuff, um, the courts have now, um, are now considering punishing paedophiles um, just on intent, um, not to, just on intent uh, to cause harm um, to young people, um, which... Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's yeah. You sh- there should be. I mean, a lot of the lot of the time when they arrest people for these paedophilia things, a lot of t- the time, thankfully, they they catch them online trying to groom people and whatnot. You know, um, obviously they do catch people that have already committed crime, but just the fact that they're online and and trying to groom people or, or doing whatever, looking at the, those images and whatnot, um, they should be sentenced off at the back of that. I'm, I'm surprised, you know, they haven't been talking about this before. Um, but yeah, I, I think I mean I think w- w- what has been happening today, when people are arrested for those things, they often try to look for reduced sentence because you know their thing is I haven't committed a crime against a young person yet, you know. Um, but to me, you know, if that's something that you're even considering or or, or involved in in any way, shape, or form, there should be no reduced sentence. It's it's all 
as bad as each other. It's all repugnant, period. So, um, but I, I mean, to be fair, I can't imagine anybody, I can't imagine why anybody would not think it's a good idea for them to be punished, um, you know, just just with for, for intent. I mean, with other crimes, you, you get punished for intent. You know, there's loads of conspiracy conspiracy cases, people languishing in prison for conspiracy charges of, you know, nothing to do with children, etc. So I can't imagine why that should be even up for debate. So I hope that goes through ASAP, really. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, and talking about that, this, this week um, has been, you know, on social media, we've all seen the messages and, and uh, pictures of, in regards to... Um, kidnapping and the abduction of um, children in the Enfield area. Um, and, a, you know, there's reports circling, circulating about a 10-year-old boy who was abducted and he was he was given some, some type of drug sedative and whatnot. Um, thankfully, I believe that that young boy is at home now. Um, but they've now, again, thankfully, the police have arrested a man and a woman on suspicion of attempted abduction. Um, following, you know, the, all these incidents and whatnot. Um, but they have actually um, bailed them, I believe. I think they've bailed them until... Yeah, they've both been bailed until mid-June. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just glad to... Because I think initially, I, from what, what I was hearing and seeing via social media, it seemed like nothing wasn't happening. So I'm glad to know that they have actually found these people in this van, you know, and, and arrested them. Um, and, and to be fair, the first picture I saw, it actually had the number plate of the van and a man in the van. So, yeah, that was always going to happen. So, so yeah, I'm just glad that something's happening about that. But we, we definitely have to be more vigilant with, with our young people on the way to school and stuff. And if, if that means taking the kids to school and, and being a bit late for work or whatever you have to do, that, I think that that is a no-brainer, you know, especially until this is resolved and whatnot. It's not... You know, it seems like many... I'm sure these things happened many moons ago, but, you know, I, I, can, I can actually can't remember my parents ever taking me to school, to be fair. No doubt they must have, um, but I can't remember it, you know. So, But I do remember taking myself to school from... I'd say from primary school, yeah, early primary school. It, I mean, my school wasn't that far, maybe five, ten-minute walk, but... Yeah, I, but now, in this modern day and age, my, my kids live less than that, away from, um, the distance is less. It's probably less than five minutes, but I do not foresee a time when I'm going to be comfortable with them going to school by themselves, to be fair. I mean, it's going to happen, obviously, but yeah, it's, I'm not looking forward to that. And, and it's, they're probably going to be, oh, maybe, you know, in fact, I don't think I'm going to let them do that until they get into secondary school and even then um i'm, I'm still going to be a bit nervous because we're, we're living in different times there's all kind of different stuff seem to be happening now so so yeah i'm, I'm as concerned as anybody else to be fair so um but i'm glad the police are on it um and yeah we, we just got to play our part and be more vigilant and whatnot for sure um and yeah on another note um in swansea there was riots um I'm not really sure what the riots was about. I know it was, it kind of began with a visual for somebody who died, some a local person that died. But the way how it was reported, you know, I'm seeing burning cars, um, I'm seeing cars be, being rolled down hills with nobody in it and just with the doors open and just crashing into all parked cars. And yeah, it was nuts, burning cars. It just looked like a, full-scale riot but the reasoning wasn't really clear but um but yeah that's that's happening in in Swansea well it happened in Swansea rather so not too sure what that was all about but this week coming May the 25th marks the one year uh anniversary since the murder of um George Floyd it to be fair time has really flown it's like that it seems like it was yesterday, but that's like a full year now, you know, this week coming. So, um, 
and I think around the world, especially in America and Minnesota, where it happened, there, there'll be visuals and, and things happening. But in the UK, um, there's going to be a an event held in Nottingham. Um, I think on Tuesday as well, there's going to be something in Milton Keynes um, at the MK Rose um, on Campbell Park. And also um, a musician, um, an artist, Marrick, releases George Floyd's song to mark one year anniversary of George Floyd's murder. So Merrick is Merrick is um his family, you know. Um so yeah, I'm I'm very proud of him and I hope his song is is received well. For sure. I hope it's received well. Well it will be received well because it's he's, he's a very talented young man. So hats off to you, Merrick. Um with your musical endeavours moving forward. And also, um, Windrush. The Windrush, this Windrush thing has been going on for so long. It just seems like it's people are dragging their feet on, dragging their feet around it, to be fair. Um, you know, there's still victims waiting for compensation. Um, there's, you know, I, I'm not really sh- well. They, they they say it's a lot of paperwork. Us what is what they're saying. There's a lot of paperwork, and they haven't got a lot of staff dealing with it. My thing is just get the staff. You know, if you, if you know it's taking too long, you know, just get the staff and kind of get it done. It's already been confirmed that it shouldn't have happened and it was wrong. And there's a lot of victims off the back of it whose lives have been disrupted. So do what you need to do to make the process move faster. So people are the victims of this this wrongdoing um, are, are dealt with accordingly. You know, that's, to me, it's quite straightforward, quite straightforward. And, you know, there's a lot, lot of people out of work at the moment, so it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to, to find people to fill those posts. I'm, I'm very sure of that. So, um, so, yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, it's just unfortunate that it's still going on. I think um, 633 people have received payments since this, all happened. I think it all started like April 2019. But 633 people have received payments um, out of original estimate of 15,000 people. And actually 21 victims of this whole situation have died before receiving any compensation. So the fact that people are dying, that, you know, we're talking about older people, you know, this is Windrush. So the fact that people are dying is more than enough reason for the powers that be to hire people to, to, to make the work load um, more efficient and quicker and, and get these people the justice that they deserve, you know? This is, this is people's lives that have been ruined already, you know? And to be fair, the money, the money's due and they should get it, but the money's not going to actually solve the problem. But it's the minimum. That, that, that can be done. So I think they need, someone needs to pull their finger out and, and kind of get that dealt with. Definitely, yeah. So um, obviously we've been in, you know, this year of COVID and, um, you know, obesity is, is something that, you know, obviously we haven't been that active. We haven't been doing all the things that we've done, you know, sitting at home, eating more, exercising less. But it turns out that um, in regards to, that there's been over a million hospital admissions for obesity over this period of time. And um, it turns out that women um, account for two-thirds, like 64% of admissions where obesity was a factor to, their, to them being admitted to hospital. So um, Naveed Sattar, is a, who's a professor of metabolic medicine um, at the University of Glasgow, said that um, the strongest risk factor to type 2 diabetes is obesity, you know, so, you know, um, yeah, and basically it's just kind of stressing, we, we need to tackle obesity and um, we need to take it seriously, and me personally, I, I know a few people now, and it, you know, it's coming more and more frequently, I'm hearing people having diabetes, so I'm a real advocate for, you know, eating right, you know, training right, drinking right, you know, just trying to stay as healthy as we can, you know, um, because we we are we do have some control, you know. And I know once you're in that situation of having diabetes and maybe 
the weight's got got out of control, for instance, it might feel like it's it's too hard to address or, you know, obviously it has a psychological effect as well. So I do empathise with that. Um, but I think, you know, if, if people are finding it challenging, people need to get around people that can kind of motivate them and support them. And that might be a professional, it might be a family member, it might be a friend, it might be a personal trainer, whoever. But there's definitely people that can support you in that situation, male or female, you know. Um, but one of the things the government have spoken about is introducing a ban on junk food adverts on TV before nine, which I think is a great idea, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea because that, that means kids won't, won't have to see it. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean, every, every adult knows where to get junk food. You know, we've got Uber Eats and all of these things. So we're in a world now where you, can, you don't even have to leave your house to get it, which I think is... Obviously, for the business, it's, it's great, you know, the people involved in the business side of that. But for the health of people, it's, it, there's no positives in that. No positives, the fact that we can order junk food to our house whenever we want, you know, um, at any time. And, you know, it's just, it just doesn't make sense in, in regards to health and, and well-being. But we, it is what it is. So if we can reduce the adverts on TV, especially for children, that would be a good thing. Although... If you if you're a parent and you're, you know, you're into junk food and all that, you know that that the, regardless if the kid sees it or not, the chances are a parent would probably still be giving the children um, the the junk food. So, yeah, it's it's just there's just lots we have to do. Just a lot, lots we have to do. I think through this time there's been a lot of comfort eating. I've been guilty of it myself, you know. No, I don't know if it's comfort eating, but you know, I'm I've got a really sweet tooth. So if there's sweet stuff around me and I'm hungry, I'm gonna even if I'm not hungry, if I just know I like the taste of it, I'm probably gonna eat it. But I do try to balance that off with eating well um, most of the time and obviously training as well. So, but yeah, it's it's easier said than done for some. So I, I do I do get it. I do get it. But um, they're also looking at um, making some restrictions online as well. So in the next few weeks, they're going to reveal what they're prepared to go, how far they're prepared to go with restrictions online. So, so yeah, um, hopefully that will encourage us to be a bit more healthy or a bit more mindful about what we're eating and whatnot. And, you know, one of the other things as well, as I said, you know, just being at home, not moving around as much. Um, in During lockdown, it's, it's, it's been reported that we actually... Uh, losing muscle you know there's a muscle loss situation going on which might sound a bit extreme but actually it makes sense you know over a year even for me personally you know I, I'm a person who, who goes to the gym regularly but when the gym's closed there's only so much um, weights I could do so I've personally seen my strength diminish over this period of time as active as I've been now I'm back in the gym you know I am pretty much starting from scratch and one of my goals is to get back to as strong as I was in 2019 so and I'm a person that goes to the gym so I can only imagine how much muscle loss somebody who's never trained how much you know they've lost so so yeah um I think they said like almost 23 percent of under 34 said that their their strength has dipped um, a bit or a lot you know um, and obviously the, the older people are like over 55s they've obviously spoken about losing a lot more strength so so yeah um I, I mean it'd be interesting to understand how people that don't train gauged it like what what was it they you know what because when you go when you train in the gym you know what you was lifting prior so that tells you immediately um but yeah, it'd be interesting how, how people gauge it and, and how well you can really gauge it if you're not actually training. But yeah, but nevertheless, um, muscle loss um, can lead to long-term problems like with mobility, balance, you know, um, and it can trigger a whole range of um, serious health conditions. So it's, it is serious. It is, it is serious. And I, you know, whenever I speak to people about um, going to the gym and, and doing weight training, for instance, People who are not into it, they're always like, you know, I'm not into weight training. I can do the running, I can do this. But I do, I try to explain to people, you know, we're, we're a, a holistic being. And, you know, resistant work, you know, uh, um, stretching work, cardio work, 
you know, all of these, all of these things, all, all of these elements of your body need to be worked, you know, otherwise the things that you miss out, the things that you, you kind of run away from because you don't really like doing it are the things that are going to give you the problems because you're, you're kind of leaving a gap. So we need to exercise all parts of our body, including the mind as well. So yeah, there's, there's no getting away from it, to be fair. And there's no getting away from it. So yeah, we should all do something. And it doesn't. And that's the other thing. When you talk about weights with people that don't do weights, they always presume, not always, but they seem to presume that you're talking about getting big. And using weights doesn't necessarily mean getting big. You, you get big if you lift heavy weights. But if you're lifting light weights and doing loads of reps, you're not going to get big. You're going to tone muscles. You're going to burn fat. You know. So it's not always about getting big unless that's what you want to do. So yeah, definitely, we definitely need to get on top of our fitness and deal with this muscle loss, deal with this muscle loss. I'm, I'm having to address it now and it's, it's hard, it's challenging getting back to where you was in 2019. So yeah. Um, also, MDMA um, could help trauma survivors, apparently. This is something I heard about previously, but it's, it's becoming spoken being spoken about more and more i'm noticing so so yeah um so basically they're saying that it may have more of an effect than just therapy alone so they're not counseling that therapy talk therapy etc but mdma with um with talk therapy um is supposed to be more helpful and more productive in in working with things like um post-traumatic stress disorder so that can only be a good thing. But obviously this isn't street MDMA. This is, you know, um, medical medical stuff, just like medical cannabis, etc. So it'd be the, the clean version. So there's no, I don't think it's, they're not promoting that people self-medicate and buy illicit stuff off the street. But um, but yeah, uh, so that's, this is something that they, I think they're, they're looking to approve it in America more than anything. It's, it's America that's kind of leading the way with it. But as with most things, once America leads the way of it, we'll kind of follow in, in due time. Sometimes it takes longer than, than others. But yeah, interesting development. Um, I mean, PTSD is something that, that affects more people than, you know, nowadays, especially with like youth violence, with violence in general. You know, some people, people are seeing crimes and, and being around traumatized, traumatizing situations that seems to be a lot more, you know. Um, yeah, so you know and you know things like you know seeing accidents being involved in accidents abuse rape um combat you know things like that or even just illness you know but when you talk about combat i think initially you used to hear about ptsd mostly with people coming home from war and stuff like that but now we're in a time where there is you know a different kind of violence going on on you know on the streets um, you know, you're getting people who have never been in the army, you know, suffering PTSD um, through combat, but street combat, you know, you think about young people that are seeing people murdered or, or knowing people being murdered or, you know, things like that. These, these are things that young people didn't historically see as often as they're seeing it now, you know. So, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that and see how them MDMA trials um, go, for sure. Um, the NHS uh, blood and transplant um, services are appealing for more black donors um, to come to come forward and, and give blood. Um, basically, uh, I think something. Well, what's kind of leading the campaign at this point is um, blood donations in regards to Evan Evan Nathan Smith, who was a young young black man who. Um, died from a sickle cell disease following a sickle cell. He was in a sickle cell crisis, but he, he didn't make it. So he's, you know, his story is kind of leading that campaign. Um, but it's the same story. I mean, you know, we, we know not enough black people give blood for some reason. I'm not, I'm not sure why that is, but yeah, black people, we, we don't give enough blood, basically. And um, we're more likely to have the RO blood type that's needed to treat people suffering from complications, um, such a sickle cell disease so so yeah um i think basically the ro blood type is like 10 times more common in black people so so yeah you know we we need we need to start giving blood because you know god forbid we have family members that suffer with um sickle cell 
Um, but yeah, we need, we need to kind of change that narrative. Whatever the narrative is that's stopping us giving blood, we do need to change that. But if anybody wants to speak to anybody about it and find out a bit more about it, they can contact 0300 303 2737. That's 0300 303 2737 and find out about how they can give blood or and what it means and, and any, you know, just dispel any myths you might have about, about doing it. So, yeah, definitely something to look into. And um, something I read a couple of weeks back as well about the human brain, which I thought was interesting, kind of stands to reason, but it, it was kind of interesting, the figure. So with the human brain, as we age, it sh- shrinks, it tends to shrink. Um, and after the age of 40, um, it, research shows that the typical brain um, decreases by about 5% each decade. So, and then after after the age of forty, sorry, after the age of seventy, it shrinks even faster. So, yeah. So, if you're over forty, your brain is shrinking five percent each day. So, you you know we definitely need to, you know, start stimulating the the grey matter that's left. You know, you don't want to be losing losing brain matter and and not making the most of what's left. So yeah, I just thought it was I thought it was interesting. I mean, you, you, it's kind of obvious. I suppose everything's deteriorating as you get older, but um, I didn't know it was like five percent each decade, and you know it, it, that it starts after forty as well. It's quite specific. So yeah, so one of those interesting health facts. I thought so anyway. So um, next week, well, this week coming when you're listening to this, it'll be the twenty sixth of May. We've got uh, another super moon called the Flower Moon. So this means I will be planting my vegetables. Um, I would have done it already. I would have done it at the last full moon. But I don't know, something's up with the weather and we keep getting those frosty nights. But I think we're past the frosty nights. So definitely planting all my veg um, this this 26th of May um, so I can get the benefits of this super moon. And I'll, I'll keep you posted um, when it's time to harvest in in. in in autumn, it feels like autumn now to be fair, but yeah, in the autumn, I'll, I'll um, update you on if that's made any significant difference. But yeah, so full moon on the 26th of May, another super moon. Hopefully, we'll be able to see it. Hopefully, this, the skies are clear and we, we'll get to see what this new super moon looks like the flower moon, they call it. But yeah, that'd be interesting. So, um, China have landed there. Um, Zurog rover on Mars. So they've, they've followed Americans and they've successfully done it. Um, up until that point, it's only the Americans um, had mastered landing on the moon. So this is a big, a big thing that China's actually done that. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, I mean, I don't know what that's going to... I suppose it's going to be more footage, um, different types of footage, different angles and stuff like that. I'm not sure what if they're on the same patch as them as well. I can imagine they're probably miles away, different, you know, different locations. That would make more sense. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they bring back from from Mars and what the what the US brings back and can kind of compare notes and stuff like that. So yeah. Interesting times. But what's even more interesting is um UFOlogy and unidentified aerial phenomena. A UAPs. So this is becoming more and more, it's quite timely to be fair, you know, considering we've just gone to Mars and now China's gone to Mars and now this is coming up in, 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 the, in the media a lot more. But basically there was an um, interview the other day and Obama was one of the people on there and he was um, talking about, you know, he basically he confirmed that there's footage, there's records of unidentified um, objects ex- existing. You know, and this is the was the president of the of America, so he obviously knows some stuff. You know, he he would have been very clear. So for him to even say that is is, is powerful. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this um, CBS interview. I don't know if it's in the UK yet, but yeah, that's that's very interesting. Obviously, you've got people that don't believe in UFOs. You've got people that do. So, but president, the ex president's talking about it now. So. Um, so yeah, uh, the defense defense department and intelligence agencies are due to deliver a report actually um, on some mysterious sightings, aerial sightings um, next month. So 
yeah, but next month, what, April, May, June, yeah, June, rather. I'm saying April, April's gone. June, we should hear more about these unidentified aerial phenomena. Deep stuff. Um, so, yeah, but even a, a, a former Navy pilot, and obviously Navy pilot, you know, they're, they're up in the sky all the time. They're used to seeing things flying, um, like other planes and stuff flying at extreme speeds. They're used to flying at extreme speeds and whatnot. But a former Navy pilot has also recently spoken about um, seeing a UAP um, moving in ways that he'd never seen before. Like, you know, no technology we have on Earth will allow us to do moves like that, like doing right... Uh, what do they call it um, just like sharp right hand turns you know in the air like or stopping dead and stuff like that so so yeah there's but all will be revealed all will be revealed it seems or will it time will tell time will tell so um, this week this last couple of weeks um, in regards to uh, the whole cryptocurrency I think what I'm what I'm going to do now I think weekly because like I said, I think, um, you know, we, we all need to get on top of our financial IQ. You know, we need to be aware of what's going on in, in regards to, you know, investments and assets and different ways of, of doing things and, and, you know, just understanding fi- finance and, and investment opportunities. So, yeah, I'm going to do like, I think I'm going to do a weekly crypto roundup at least. Um, every week but just to be clear I'm definitely not a financial advisor and I'm definitely not giving financial advice it's just a roundup of you know what's what's kind of going on so you know for those that don't know um, obviously the founder of cryptocurrency um, was Satoshi Nakamoto Um, he was the the founder of cryptocurrency Um, but you know obviously a lot's happened since he he created this currency and what's happened in the last couple of weeks. And I mean, cryptocurrency is a volatile, it's a volatile asset, um, very volatile. But some f- things that have made it really volatile over the last couple of weeks is China has cracked down on the mining um, and the trading of, of, of cryptocurrency. America's um, IRS wants cryptocurrencies uh, transactions over 10K to be reported to them. That's another thing that's impacted it. And basically off of the back of it, Bitcoin, which is one of the main ones that people know, although there's like thousands, I think there's over 4,000 different coins and, or tokens that you can, you can invest in. But um, Bitcoin's the most commonly known one. And they, the losses were like over 40% over the past two weeks. Um, another thing that's been influencing that, which I spoke about last week, was um, Elon Musk's tweets. So, you know, pretty much when he when he tweets, it affects the market. I've, I'm just I'm just interested how that really happens. You know, it's just, you know, one person decides to type something that's in his head and it changes a whole market. You're talking about billions of dollars and pounds and stuff. So, yeah, it's I've, I've never seen nothing like it, but it's, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see. So. Um, so, yeah, he's 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 tweets add to the volatility um and his latest tweet confirmed um he confirmed that he, he acknowledges that there's a battle between um fiat currency and cryptocurrency um so he's he's he just kind of highlighted that and he's kind of in favor of the cryptocurrency over fiat currency so that that's kind of a positive a positive tweet um for the currency i suppose um and what was it? The other tweet he spoke about um, not selling his Dogecoin. That was another one. Um, and what did the other did he speak about? Uh, oh, he, he also confirmed he won't be, um, he'll be holding his Bitcoin. Because obviously, I think last week he was talking about um, he's not going to be um, res- uh, accepting Bitcoin for his cars anymore. Um, but so obviously the, the fear, I think, from the market was he maybe selling off all of his Bitcoin. But um, but he just he's tweeted that he's, he's going to hold them. Whether he does or not, time will tell. But again, these things affect the volatility and the movement of these markets, which is, like I said, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that, that one man's tweets can do that. Um, one of the things he, he said, he, he has diamond hands. 
in one of his tweets as well this week as well. So there's there's loads of these different kind of sayings. I mean, if you're if you're in the world of cryptocurrency, if you're watching it, or you'll see loads of different memes. Um, and diamond hands just means you know he's somebody that's holding on, holding on to the, the, his his investment and whatnot. So yeah, that was one of the things he said. But overall, um, it seems like overall Elon Musk believes in cryptocurrency, you know, and he's he's into it. You know, he's always talking about it every once in a while. Um, and do you know what I think personally in my short time with my limited understanding because I am yeah I, I have limited understanding of it um, but I predict that at some stage well as soon as as soon as they can um, find an eco-friendly way to mine um, uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency I reckon he'll have his own coin I reckon he will have his own coin, you know. The, you know, yeah. I think it, I'll, I'll put that out there. Let's see how that pans out. But I think he'll have his own coin at some stage. Um, but yeah, time, time will see. But also connected to that world, um, NFTs, um, which I spoke about, episode forty-seven, mid March, early March, um, this year. I spoke about that. Um, so we'll all remember the the YouTube video that went viral, Charlie bit my finger video. So that is going to, that video clip is now going to be auctioned as an NFT. So someone will be able to purchase it and they will own it. Um, who knows how much it's going to go for? Um, could, could take, uh, could go for a lot of money. I mean, it, on YouTube, it, I think it was 80, 880 million people. Um, watch that video on YouTube, you know, um, and it obviously went viral, as we've said. So, so yeah, um, who knows what it's going to go for? But it's going on. It's going on auction on the twenty second of May. Twenty second of May. Ah, in fact, that would have happened already. By the time you've heard this, yeah, that would have happened already. So I'm not sure how much it went for. That'd be interesting to find out. But prior to that happening. Um, there was a there's a picture, for instance, this is an example of, of you know, a, a, something else that was turned into an NFT. There was a picture, um, a meme called um, Disaster Girl. So it basically had a girl smiling, and in the background there was like a building on fire. Um, that that sold as an NFT for three hundred and forty one thousand, and I bet most people hadn't even seen that picture because I I hadn't seen that when it went viral. But I've definitely seen Charlie bit my finger multiple times, and it's very hilarious even now when you when you when you think about it. But um, but yeah, that went for that amount of money. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what that what that um has gone for. But I'll probably speak about that next week. Hopefully, they would have disclosed how much it went for by then. So yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's what's happening with that. But like I said, I really think that um, we all should use this kind of time of volatility and uncertainty you know as, as far as work especially if you're out of work or you know things are not looking too good at work or or whatnot I think we should use this time to upskill ourselves you know increase our knowledge on things like the stock market shares dividends trading investment passive income cryptocurrency just look into it all you know um it's, it's going to benefit you in some way, shape or form today, tomorrow or, you know, in, in the next few months. It will definitely benefit you. So, yeah, definitely worth doing. And so even with the young kids as well, with our, with our children as well, you know, getting them their, their financial IQ up to speed for sure. Because one thing's for sure, when they finish school, they're going to definitely need it, 100%. So, yeah, so, um, so the... Thank you for everybody who has um, supported by um, buying various products um, from Pablo Podcast Apparel and Accessories. Um, the limited edition um, items that are currently online um, will end. Obviously, as, as I said, they were a limited edition, so they will end in June. And then, obviously, summer's coming up, so going to have a kind of summer line launching um on or around the 13th of june um to mark the first year anniversary of pablo's podcast which is actually on the 20th of june 
which is also Father's Day, funny enough. So, so yeah, so it's going to be like a pre, a pre um, anniversary summer launch. So yeah, so pro- launching on the thirteenth of June. Uh, so, so new stuff um, with the new logo, everything else, um, and yeah, that. And we're going to do some other things. Think about some other things, and, and you know, getting into a new year. I can't even believe it's been a whole year. Next month, June the twentieth, will be a whole year. So. So yeah, be looking at other ways to um, do things going forward. You know, always looking to improve what we're doing. I'm just, I'm just glad that it, the platform is is serving a purpose and people s- still enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbly grateful that people still enjoy it because I, I enjoy doing it. So, um, so yeah, but like I said earlier on, you know, we are. You know, they, they, we we have gone through a lot. I mean, it, it, it's kind of, you know, this this podcast is kind of it's kind of logging this whole pandemic, this whole historical time. You know, that wasn't the aim of it, but by default, because at the time it started, you know, this is this podcast is going to be kind of a record of what was going on you know, and, and my thoughts and stuff. So, so yeah, it's interesting time. But, you know, through this time, like I said, we, we've got to look after ourselves. We've been, we've been under lockdown and not being able to move around and, and all this stuff. And, and obviously, through this year, we have introduced Uber Eats. This is something that didn't really exist in the same way as it did before this pandemic or we didn't use it as much even if it if it did exist at all um so this is going to have impact on us so yeah we just need to get out there and get healthy you know get out the, get out of the house do some walking get on your bike do whatever you know but stay fit stay healthy so so yeah as i said if you if you find you know this useful pablo's podcast useful please share it with one other person um that's n- maybe never heard of pablo's podcast um and yeah, and you know, be part of the conversation when we're on Clubhouse um, and, and get involved. But yeah, I really appreciate everything, um, you know, everything that people do in regards to the podcast, whether it's sharing it, whether it's um, buying some of the merchandise, whatnot. I really do appreciate you. So thank you. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Hopefully you can join me in the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.